Hi, and welcome to Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Felt. A cancer diagnosis is one of the hardest slap in the face imaginable. All of a sudden, you have to become an expert in cancer and its treatments because your life depends on it. Oncologists, family and friends are pushing you towards chemo, radiation, surgery, yet you feel there are additional solutions out there. You don't feel confident in that only traditional therapies will take care of it. You may, as I have, seen family or friends quickly go downhill from harsh medical treatments. There is a better way. I invite you to listen to stories from real people fighting cancer successfully through powerful, integrative, and holistic methods. Learn what they did. This is my gift to you to make the learning curve less steep after your diagnosis. The information this podcast could save your life as it has others. Well, Anne Funfa, I'm so excited to have you on this episode of Integrative Cancer Solution with Dr. Carlfeld. Thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You are a warrior in, in the field of integrative oncology, complementary medicine in regards to cancer. And wh- where did where did your journey start? I mean, you've 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 had your own battle to you know that that you battled uh, that that fueled this fire that's benefiting so many people throughout all all over the world. So in 1989, I realized that something was wrong. Every smell made me get very dizzy, get a bad headache, and it became a couple of days in bed, three days in bed. I got organic sheets, I put them over. My, I mean, nothing was helping, and I realized eventually that it was a chemical sensitivity. So in December of 92, I went to visit my family and I had a little lump, like a callus on the left breast at two o'clock. I subsequently discovered that 50% of all breast cancer is at the left breast at two o'clock. And I was like, something's going on here. Anyway, so I went to the place I usually get a mammogram and they sent me to a surgeon. Here's how, what I knew about medicine. I didn't know that I didn't have to keep him as my doctor. (laughs) I just went to him. So his nurse comes in and he's saying to me, oh, we could do a lumpectomy. He was a lumpectomy specialist. Fine. That sounded good. I'll keep my breast, you know. So he tells me, the nurse comes in. She says, oh, insurance company has approved it. And I thought second opinion meant that your insurance company didn't believe you. And you had to find someone to assert that it was true. So I thought, oh, this is great. And then she says, we have an opening Monday. And I heard, oh, my God, you have the worst cancer in the world because we have to do surgery right away. So that's me. So now Friday I go to work. Saturday I lie in bed with my husband saying, oh, it'll be fine and and lying because I'm thinking this is my last Saturday on earth. I'm not even 45 years old. Anyway, everything. (laughs) So I had the lumpectomy. He took lymph nodes. I didn't know they were going to do that. And, he, you know, there was no Internet. There was no one to ask. I didn't know anybody who, who had cancer who was alive. It was back in the old days, 1993, in January. So lucky me, I got to join a support group. And then I found out all these details that this doctor didn't share with me after he asked me if I had questions. You know, how can you have questions when you don't know side down? You don't know anything. So I, had, I said, I figured he told me everything, but he didn't. They took 18 lymph nodes. Now, I'd had an injury to that left arm, and I got lymphedema immediately. So going to my support group, I found out more about that. And I find out it's forever. That was fun. (laughs) You know, but uh, so one woman had a father who had breast cancer and her father uh, was alive. He lived through it. So her doctor told her, it doesn't matter what your father had. And I think, you know, okay, I know basic biology, father, mother, you get it. How could it not matter? So that was one thing. Uh, you know, the other was the guy didn't tell me about the lymph nodes. And and then she says, oh, I told my doctor not to cut the nerve so I don't have a dead spot on my arm. Now, everyone who's had breast cancer surgery knows that you have an error in your arm. It doesn't come back. It's numb. And you can, you know, you can feel pressure, but that's about it. Anyway, so I discover all these things, and I'm really interested in that. And it it, it strikes a chord with me that there's things they don't tell you, and there's things you should know, but nobody knows. And then, you know, I went to see an oncologist. Everybody does that. Oncologist, as I walk in, doesn't know anything about me. He says, well, start chemo uh, next week. And I say, you know, doc, I have a problem. And he said, oh, it doesn't matter. I said, no, no, I really want to tell you. I'm getting sick three days a week from chemicals and I'm allergic. And and he said, oh, it doesn't matter. Same tone. So I'm thinking to myself, well, it matters to me. Got to go. So I leave and I decide not going to do his protocol, whatever it is, it's just not right for me. You know, I mean, I'm here I am, I get 
upside down. I mean, here's, you know, this is what really clinched it. So they give you anesthesia for the surgery. And I didn't sleep for six nights because anesthesia works upside down on me because I'm chemically sensitive. So six nights awake. I don't know if anyone in your audience has ever done that, but it's hell. I mean, it's terrible. You go, you're kind of losing your mind. So finally, I recovered and I started sleeping again. And so I made up my mind, I'm not doing anything like that, but what to do. And in the support group, everyone's very worried because they're all in treatment. They're all not well. You know, everybody's getting sick from chemo, radiation, and they're weak and they're turning gray and they're not eating. What? So I said, well, I, I've heard of, I, I'm going to do some, there must be an alternative. And I said, oh yeah, I've heard of that alternative medicine. I'm going to do that, whatever it is. You know? <laughs> my closest friend had become an acupuncturist. So I didn't even think of that as alternative because she was my close friend, you know, but Franny. But anyway, so I was doing acupuncture and she had stopped my menstrual cramps three years before. That was fantastic. So I had a lot of faith in acupuncture. And then I said, well, I'm already a vegetarian, but obviously I'm not a healthy vegetarian because I got breast cancer. And I've always had digestive problems. So I thought I'll change my diet in a totally different way. I became 100% organic, but I traveled for business in the old days. So even when I was a vegetarian, it was very difficult to get good food. And I was kind of vegetarian. I used to go into a restaurant. Let's say I was in Chicago. And I would say, okay, you have lamb chops with asparagus. So hold the lamb chops, put the asparagus on my plate. And I see that you have roast beef with uh, with spinach. I'll have some spinach and maybe throw some salad, you know. And then the waitress or waiter would say to me, but but what are you going to eat? <laughs> like, plate of vegetables, thank you. Anyway, so I was on that road, but, but I, I didn't have anything terribly healthy because like if the team wanted to go to Wendy's, I went to Wendy's and I just didn't have the hamburger, but I had the bun, which was white bread and the secret sauce or whatever they call it. And the lettuce and tomato, it was nonsensical. So then I said, this is it. I'm cleaning up everything. So hundred percent organic and carried my own food with me when I went places. So if I went to a friend's house for dinner, I brought my own food because nobody could keep up with what it was that I was willing to eat. And, you know, it scared them. So I made my way and, and I was healthy. Then I started juicing. And everybody in the support group is saying, you know, could we taste the juice? What supplements are you taking? Can we walk together? And because they saw that I was not getting sick and they were, you know, because treatment, conventional treatment is very hairy. So they, these women were very brave and they started doing what we now know to be complementary medicine. They took on some of the things I was doing, the physical activity, the juice, you know, I would bring juice every week to our meeting. It was it was pretty interesting. So we like to think we invented complementary medicine, but, you know, and back then everything was called alternative. You know, as I mentioned to you, that original oncologist had said to me, yoga, are you trying to kill yourself? And he meant it, you know, he was serious. And and this, this, this um, nonprofit that I was involved with, the support group, they had yoga classes. <laughs> so I, I knew, I knew that was totally not so. But so I was proceeding healthy. Everything was going well, but not quite like about 18 months later, I have another tumor and it's exactly where the first one was, which, you know, surgeon said we got it all. And I absolutely thought he did because why would he say that? But, you know, <laughs> now I know that's that happens all the time. So I had another tumor and I go to a different surgeon, a woman that I chose. And she tell, says to me, you know, you should have a lumpectomy. It's called the salvage lumpectomy. I mean, a salvage mastectomy. Well, I don't like to do something like that just because so but I had had invasive lobular as a type of cancer and they, what they told me was the only thing I knew it's probably going to go to the second breast so here I am with the same area and I didn't know that was very common and I have a second lumpectomy because I don't want to have a salvage mastectomy I don't want to be I want to do what's right for me but it turns out that was wrong because I had multifocal lobular was everywhere but I didn't know that okay anyway so as time goes by I'm trying this I'm trying that I lived in New York and then I started a, what we called the whole health study group. And I invited speakers and I found out about more stuff and I tried everything, but I'm having tumor, 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 a lot of tumors and they're all in the breast. So finally I had, I had six more and I had, uh, I found every one, but one, one of them was under the second one. Anyway, I went to Mexico to do the Gerson program. Now, part of the reason that I was motivated to do all this stuff and not, I mean, it was scary, but my mother came with me. My mother was the life of the party. She was telling a joke. Everybody was chuckling. This is the literal truth. Five women asked me if my mother could stay after I left. <laughs> yeah. And they said, oh, Lorraine, could you, could you just stay? She's like, I'm, I'm with my daughter. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so after I came back from the clinic, I had candida. 
And it started to get better, even though it was carrot juice and apple juice and green juice. And But I was doing puffy enemas. I'd started doing them in February of 95. And I got up to the four. I did a full 18 months of Gerson. And then I got more tumors. And then I got something on the other breast. So immediately everybody says, oh, it's this is lobular because, you know, that's what happens. So I had a mastectomy because I didn't want to have three more lumpectomies like I had on the left side. Well, joke's on me. I say to the surgeon, do not take any lymph nodes because if I am dying of breast cancer, I need my right arm. I already lost my left arm. I had my lymphedema was not big, but painful. Anyway, so she doesn't take any lymph nodes. And she says to me when she comes out of the surgical, she says, well, when I wake, I had, by the way, I had a local because I never wanted to do, I had all the other lumpectomies under local because I never wanted to be sleepless for a week again. I knew that anesthesia was not my friend, not my friend. So she says to me, oh, good news. There were no, there wasn't any tumors. It's a good thing I didn't take the lymph nodes. And we'd had a big battle about it. So yeah, it was a mistake. I call it my sacrifice to science, you know? Well, the joke's on me because now I actually have a lump forming very, very slowly on the chest wall on the right side. So anyway, after that mastectomy, I got tumors on the chest wall, two docs. Oh, and now you're stage four. Uh, I said, so, I so, really don't know but, who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah. So just kind of, so here, and, and this is, this is thing I, I, that I think a lot of women are looking at. They, they think they get the tumor, not recognizing that, that cancer is a systemic process. Yeah. So, uh, they're looking then at, at that little tumor and that that is the enemy. And in reality, it, it is not really the enemy because if you just remove that one, whatever is the underlying factor will just make other things pop up. And so here you're just kind of cutting, cutting, cutting. But obviously yeah. the underlying factors is still there and things are just keep popping up anyway. Yeah. And even even this systemic things I did uh, weren't enough because it was still happening. And, you know, I, I still had digestive issues and I still had chemical sensitivity, although it was somewhat better. The candida cleared up, but that took like eight years. So, you know, it was a horror story. But my mindset was very, very positive. I always felt like I was going to live through it no matter what. And that's how I went forward. And then I saw because of our support group and because of the whole health study group that I started, I was writing summaries. And that became the basis of the antiopplecyproject.org website, because I thought I have good information other people can benefit from. And so I started sharing it. And because there were very few in 19, we went up in June of 99, so a long time ago, and there was very little information, especially about natural medicine. So we got, a, we, we would get a million hits a year. It was outrageous. You know, we'd come up in the top four. That changed, of course, because more and more companies have websites and they pay and we can't afford to pay. We're all volunteers. We don't, we, we don't have any kind of funding like that. But it didn't matter because we reached a lot of people and we reached the people we wanted to. And then I was giving my cards out everywhere. And then one of our board members created the idea of a health message postcard. So our health message, so basic, it was to reach the people who wouldn't ask their doctor unless they got awakened because that's a problem. If you don't ask, they don't tell you anything. Even if you ask, they might not tell you. But so we have three steps for health. And the first step is eat one more fruit and one more vegetable a day. Anyone could do that. It's doable. You know, even if you, and you know, by the way, I'm sure you know, the 16% of Americans eat no fruit or vegetables at all. So here's our message. You got cancer, start eating the fruit, one more fruit and one more vegetable. And if you want to go further, yay. Step two is take a walk because being physically active at any stage, no matter treatment or not, whatever treatment you're under, being physically active is fabulous. So we don't say how long, how far, how fast, just start moving. And then our third one is take seven deep breaths. Idea being stress, big problem. Very relaxing, even for me, a very fast ex-New Yorker. <laughs> so it's a really, you know, it's, it's a little simple message, but it reverberates for people and they start to see it. And the back of the postcard these days talks about our annual educational conferences. So that's for people who are more interested and learn, interested in learning more about natural therapy. So we call it complementary, integrative, lifestyle, and holistic. So holistic is everything else. We used to call everything alternative. There was no difference in the old days, uh, like yoga being alternative medicine, you know, is powerful. but it's better now. But people don't find out about stuff unless they know where to go, where to ask. So our website and our Facebook page, very active. 
Facebook page, I put studies pretty much every day because there's always some small study about the value of exercise or what you want to eat or how to relax. We put up articles. We put up interviews. I put up one of your podcasts as soon as I met you. And then I, I put up uh, recipes because people are always saying, well, what can I eat? What can I eat? Well, and we have to tell people it's your protocol. But the clear and obvious thing is we avoid added sugar, read labels. Don't eat artificial anything. If it's art, if you don't know what it's about, don't eat it. I mean, what's the point? It's not good. And, you know, I'm very sad. I've been a vegan since 95 when I had my first round of recurrence. But I'm a flexible vegan because it's my protocol. However, when people say to me, uh, well, vegans, you know, you see all the fancy food for vegans, but it's not organic for the most part. And I ding them for that because if it's not organic, oh, it says non-MGO. So what is non-GMO? Non-GMO. So that means regular pesticide. That's not great. And pesticides are cumulative in the fat cells. And I don't care how thin you are, everyone's got fat cells and they're storing chemicals. So it's it's part of our message is go organic whenever possible. And we have that wonderful group, EWG.org, with their website, and they tell you what to really avoid no matter what. And sadly, it's always strawberries, peaches, string beans, bell peppers. You know, I go if I go out to a restaurant, which is a rarity because I eat organic, but I have Indian food. I always excuse Indian food because of the spices. Yeah, fine. So I have that. But so the other thing that I started doing was going to cancer meetings and bringing the message to the cancer meeting to the doctors because the patients can be educated, but if the doctors are not, it's really difficult. It's a team and you have to get your doctor somewhat in the same area. The issue is always insurance doesn't cover these things and they're all out of pocket. So we have, we've tried very hard at our conference to keep the costs down and to give scholarships to people with advanced cancer or unpaid advocates like myself and, you know, try to give people a start so that they can get the message, find the information. And it's wonderful to meet your people at these conferences. You know, you meet like-minded people or you meet someone with the same rare cancer as you. That's astonishing. It's happened. You know, and since I announced that I was diagnosed with follicular lymphoma four and a half years ago, we're getting a lot more people with lymphoma at the conferences because they want to know, I mean, because I'm doing really well and they want to share in that. And, and I, like to lift people up with the idea that, yeah, of course, you know, you're going to be okay. I mean, one of the classic things I say to people is they said 10% survival. I heard that you were in that 10%. I mean, that's what I heard right away. There's no question. Why wouldn't you be? I mean, why would you put yourself in the other group, you know? Because unfortunately, we humans, if your doctor says, oh, you have three months, people kind of obey. So do not obey because no doctor knows how long you live, period. That's not possible. People have called me and said, oh, I was told they have a year to live. Don't you hear how ridiculous that is? I mean, obviously nobody knows that. Ridiculous. So I have to I have to be that, you know, the common sense person. And I tell people, yeah, it's okay to do your protocol. That's you. Do what feels best. But I do think there are basics. Like I said, you know, you avoid added sugar, you avoid chemicals. And I think there are certain supplements that are critically important and certain spices. Adding spices is always a great idea, drinking a lot of pure water. And I had a distiller for the first 10 years of my cancer diagnosis, maybe longer, maybe 20 years. And I and we don't use it anymore because we have a triple filter in our house and I have an under the sink filter. So <laughs> kind of think I'm covered. And um, and I can taste stuff. You know, I know when something's not OK. So that, that's and good news, so, bad news. So, so kind of going back again to to your original cancer. I mean, so here. Here you are, you've done all these surgeries and you you mastectomy. They took out 18 lymph nodes and out of one arm. And uh, you're wanting to save obviously the other arm. So you have two fun- you have one functioning arm at least. And now you're finding limbs and in the, the kind of the chest wall, you know, where you know beyond. So it's not, you know, it's not just in the breast that it can form, it, it can be in the chest wall. And and how deep can you go when you do surgery there? I mean, so nothing left <laughs> no exactly so what did you do i mean what what happened then i mean you, you're doing yeah. all these great things you've done gerson you know you've been doing your coffee enemas you've been juicing you've been taking herbs you've been uh walking you've been breathing you've been i mean doing all these things so in in your mind i mean being at that spot feeling like you've done pretty much everything that's available and and here you are again. What what was going on in your mind at that time? So yeah, so it's interesting because when my second surgeon, uh, Deborah Axelrod, great 
really great surgeon. When she told me that we couldn't take anything else off without a plastic surgeon, I was headed to the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium in December of that year. And I met Dr. George Wang, who's Chinese herbalist. He's trained, he has a PhD from Harvard, but he also trained in Chinese herbal medicine. It's a family tradition. So he came up to me. He said, your friend told me your circumstance, which was that I had already had like 20, 20 something tumors uh, and already 10 of them or so were on the chest wall <laughs> after the mastectomy. And he says, you know, I think I can help you. So I was interested, but it was, uh, you know, somewhat nerve wracking. But then I got the 25th tumor overall and I called him up and we got together and then I had an MRI so that it showed that I had three and a half centimeters on the chest wall, started doing his herbs. And it, the prescription is very personal. It's how I am at the moment, as all Chinese medicine is. So like the acupuncturist, he feels the pulses, looks at my tongue, looks at how I'm standing. And, and I took the herbs for, I would say at 10 months, he said to me, uh, you're done. But I said, you know, all these years, it's been nine years. I feel like I can't stop yet. So he let me take them for four more months. And then he said to me, no, you're done. So then I had an MRI and it showed no cancer. Uh, as a reminder to the audience, we have a lot of equipment and they tell things, but they really don't, they really can't tell. I mean, can't tell, you know, people have recurrences when, when they're not expecting them. In my mind, a scan is set up so that two weeks before or two weeks after your body's going to tell you anyway, people have scans because something changed. They know already something's, I don't, I don't do scans. I know there's all about scans, anxiety and all that. I just don't bother. You know, I feel fine. That's how it is. So Dr. Wong's herbs made a lot of difference for me. It stopped the breast cancer, which had been for nine years, constant tumors. I mean, 25 tumors. I'm the tumor queen of North America. No question. But here I am. So, you know, who cares? All right. So that was really great. And, and I went years with no breast cancer, no problems. Um, but I had no breasts, you know, and got rid of both of them, which wasn't great. And I was very sad about it for a while, but I got over it because I dumped all over my poor sister and brother. And they were sad. And then I felt better. <laughs> terrible truth. But, you know, but, you know, and my husband, incredibly supportive. I mean, all during the original period, I actually checked into radiation to see because he insisted to see if it might be something I do, which I didn't do. And and at the time, after that, so the radiation oncology office is calling my husband at his office and he runs a business and they're saying your wife's going to die if she doesn't do radiation. Well, we know radiation does not cure anything. It's a local control. Nobody dies from tumors in their breast. I mean, now I know, <laughs> you know, you just don't. So that was that was lying and scaring him. But he kept saying to them, I'm doing what my wife wants. I'm with her, I'm not with you. So same like my mother, they were with me. You know, my father used to call me every week. Uh, my golf partner had cancer, breast cancer. She had chemo. She's fine. I said, Dad, we're, we're different people. I have to do me, you know. <laughs> like, so that was okay. I didn't get mad at him. But it was, you know, got to be really annoying because he just didn't trust my, my view. However, over time, obviously, since it's now 31 years later, we don't care. But well, he's not here anymore. But, I mean, I, you know, I can look back. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, that, that was very helpful to me. And when I was diagnosed with the follicular lymphoma, I called on Dr. Wong to help me because I already knew that he could make a difference for me. And he's been really supportive and really helpful. And it's been now four and a half years. So that's cool. And after now COVID's ended, but I'm chemically sensitive and I have blood cancer, which you, you really they say you can't really get the immunity anyway. I like to think I have natural I've raised my natural immunity, but I will say that one of the earlier tests that I took after the lymphoma showed that my natural killer cells were pretty low. That was shocking. But I take a supplement from the American, and I remember the names of anything right now, American Biosciences mm -hmm. that supposedly boosts that. And I'm hoping I have boosted it, but it's hard to tell. You know, it's really, it's tricky. Uh, and so I wear a mask when I travel and when I'm at a meeting. So I was at ASCO, there were 40,000 clinical oncologist. That's the American Society for Clinical Oncology. But I went because there's 200 advocates there. And I had the opportunity to say to them, hey, we're all about integrative oncology. Here's our postcard. Here's our information. You, you know that lots of the people who consult your organizations are interested in this because, you know, studies show a lot of people are interested. They want to know. They don't know who to ask because, and they don't know who to tell. Up to 30% of people don't want to tell their doctor what they're doing, their conventional doctor. 
And that's very nerve wracking and scary. So they kind of feel like they're on their own, which is why we exist, why we have our conference, why we put out, you know, our newsletter, which people can sign up for on our website, AnnieAppleseedProject.org, and why we have our Facebook page so that we can be supportive for people. Because, you know, it's scary. It's no question. People get nervous having to, so we can direct them to uh, doctors because the um, all all naturopaths, acupuncturists, they, everybody has an organization, and that organization has find your doctor. So wherever you live, you can find a doctor, and we try to encourage people to have a doctor who can guide them. But you know, you also want to be on your protocol, and uh, it's important for the doctor to listen to what the patient really wants and go forward with that. So we're we're patient first all the time, all the way. So at ASCO, I had such a fun experience. I met the doctor, re-met the doctor who gave me my second opinion for that I had stage four breast cancer in 1997. That was fun. I say, hey, Cliff, remember me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I reminded him, but, you know, he knew me, but probably didn't remember that he told me I had stage four. But I remember, of course. So anyway, but here I am. And then I, I also, there was a, a very interesting talk. You know, I, I'm really... I'm interested in a lot of issues. And one of the issues I'm interested in is the way clinical trials are run. Uh, it's, it's my very strong opinion that harms need to be reported. At conferences like ASCO, American Society for Clinical Oncology, they talk about this fabulous new drug. And then there's me and a couple of other advocates. I say, oh, could you explain what the adverse effects are? You know, they call them side effects. I don't call them side effects because they're the effects. And sometimes they affect as many people as the treatment or more. So I'm always, I'm the, you know, the, the bubble buster. I say, okay, what happened that hurt people? Can you explain that? And then, you know, I've been to FDA meetings, the Food and Drug Administration, they're in charge of drugs. And they have a lot of policies that are not fabulous. You know, they know it because they're caught between Congress and pharma and insurance. And it's, it's not great. So some of the time, like the first meeting I go to, I hear them talk about there were no unexpected toxicities. Well, I say, okay, how would you know? How would you know? Because you're not looking for unexpected. You don't know where to look. Could be, And that, in fact, is the reality that 10 years later, something happens, or five years later, or two years later, or a week later, but they don't follow you for long term, and those things don't get well reported. Now, I served on a, on a, I get to be on a lot of committees, which is great, because I love, as obviously everyone can tell, I love giving my point of view. So, so that's a really, really critical point. What were the unexpected? How do you know? How do you know? Or they'll say it was very well tolerated. And again, I say, really, how'd you know that? There, there's actually a drug. Um, you know, I get a lot of uh, newsletters and alerts from journals and things. So I was reading the other day. There's a drug called capecitabine, Zolota. This drug was approved at a very high dose. And many years ago, a doctor came to speak at the group that I was involved with in New York, SHARE, sharecancersupport.org. And he said, doctors in the know are giving less, the dose is lowered. So I said, okay, well, that means there are doctors who are not in the know. Is that right? And he says, I think so. So the doctors not in the know are giving their patients the approved dose, which turns out to be way too high. And people get neuropathy, the hand and foot syndrome, they call it, the burning, very difficult to live with. And some people can't walk easily. They can't feel their feet. They can't feel their hands. I mean, that's, it's a bad it's a bad thing. So I, I and another advocate approached somebody. Sorry, I got so excited. I talked myself out of this. <laughs> that we approached this FDA woman from FDA, and she says, oh, we can't do anything about it if the sponsor of the drug does a new trial, you know, $25 million to $50 million, and then we can reduce the dose. So nothing happened all these years, and there's still doctors not in the know. And the way I know that is because ASCO just sent a follow-up newsletter after we were at the meeting, and it's talking about how they've recognized that capecitabine zolota is at too high a dose. Now, this is, I don't know, 18 years later, 15 years later, but the fact that it's recognized is something. And, and so they're actually working on letting everybody know that you have to reduce the dose. I mean, what's the rush? <laughs> what's the rush? Everything takes so long. That's something I see. The joke of that is when I was diagnosed I was working for a, a, a computer um, company that created business presentations. I'm, I'm a salesperson. And we changed our software monthly. There's always upgrades, updates. And in the medical world, you could wait 25 to 40 years for an update. And that's so insane. You know, it's insane. I understand that 
that trials have to be run, but it's not common sense. And that, that's very important to me is common sense. You know, let's think about this. What are we doing? You know, if we know something's not great, then and FDA does not have wonderful means of taking drugs off the market. So another thing that was discussed that I think is super important is they when they created accelerated approval, it was because a lot of people were dying, mostly gay men, from HIV, I mean from AIDS, and they needed drugs desperately. Questionable, those some of those drugs were questionable, but okay. So accelerated approval was started. Now they're doing it with cancer, particularly breast cancer, because it's such a common cancer and there's a lot of money there. And, you know, so accelerated approval, they have what they call surrogate endpoints. It's no longer about survival. It's about, did your tumor shrink? But as we all know, tumor shrinkage is not proof of anything. Well, we don't all know that, but we should know that. It's not, it's your tumor. Your tumor's doing smaller, great. But is your life longer? No, not necessarily. So these are things that were being discussed at the meeting also. And the moderator of that discussion was some a doc I know really well, Julie Graylow. She's at Fred Hutch in Seattle. So I saw her later and I said, you know, that was a really good discussion. You really covered the points. So I was astonished by that, but they told true things. So she says to me, oh, that's great because you're such a critic. So if you think it was a good thing, it must have been. And I am a critic. And I'm proud that she and others know that when they see me get up sometimes, oh, and that, that microphone's not working, sorry. <laughs> that doesn't happen much anymore. But that used to be my greeting, you know, oh, sorry, no more questions, you know. But but I'm always going to ask those questions because I have to represent. I understand a lot of things, not everything, I'm not a scientist, but I have educated myself to the point that I want to help people in a million different ways. One of them is directly by speaking to people, by creating the website information, by sharing it widely, but also by questioning. I question authority in these regards because the system is just so nutso. You know this. I mean, pharmaceutical industry has a stranglehold on the circumstances. So people are ill, right, because our food supply is absolutely terrible. That's why you need to be organic whenever possible. Our food is so adulterated and so messed up, and people are sick because I mean, no one's advertising fruits and vegetables. That doesn't happen. You don't see a commercial for that on TV. But you do see dancing hamburgers and soda and french fries, and people feel like it's perfectly okay. And children, the parents love to bring them because the kids get a toy. I mean, the kids in my family say, oh, but they give you a toy. Well, I'll give you a toy if you don't go. You know, but it doesn't work that way because the kids want to go. They make it kid-friendly. It's easy for parents. It's a really terrible situation, and we know because obesity, diabetes. So obesity itself, in my opinion, is not the problem. It's what causes that. What foods are you eating or not eating that are causing major problems in people's lives? And then we'll treat you. So the people in my family have diabetes. The treatment does not cure. Does anybody hear that? It is not a cure. This is a treatment. We're just going to give you the treatment and your disease will get worse over time. But we're treating you. What is that? What is that? It's not acceptable to me as an advocate and an angry advocate at that, a happy, angry advocate. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's always, you know, the, these disease management, and, and that's kind of where I look upon a lot of the oncology as well. You're, you're managing the disease by focusing on the tumor. And, and like you're saying, they, they know that they are failing in regards to, you know, cancer, you know, to, to cure cancer. They're, they're failing in that regard because, the reoccurrences are it's just again and again. They're very good at shrinking tumors. You know, they're very good at that, but they're very poor at curing cancer. They're very poor increasing longevity. They're very poor increasing quality of life. They're very poor at that. So then they have to to change how they view statistics. And and you know, so so that's what they do. So it all becomes about uh, disease management. And it's the same with diabetes. It's the same with well, whatever di disease it is. It's not fixing yes. the disease. It's not curing any disease. It's just managing it. Well, I mean, I, you know, in a very cynical way, I have to say that curing, there's no money in a cure. Not enough money. I mean, they accidentally cured hepatitis C. <laughs> that was $85,000. So, you know, they're, they're, yeah, but there's really no, no, I mean, especially in breast cancer, because it's the, you know, the most common cancer in women. And people say, well, how come there's so many breast cancer? Well, because in a room full of cancer survivors, half of them had breast cancer. And half of those people had 50% left, left 
two o'clock at Left Breast, which I'd like to get back to that for a minute. Um, a Qigong expert who sometimes often is at our conference running Qigong class, which is amazing. And he, we talked about it. And I said, I always thought the digestive meridian went through the left breast at two o'clock. And he said, yeah, quite a few meridians are over there. So when something's wrong with the rest of your body, it shows up in the left breast at two o'clock. And, you know, a lot of us are unbalanced and unhealthy. Like I said, I had digestive problems from infancy, colicky baby, stomach problems. And like most kids, encouraged to eat the whole thing, everything on your plate, you know, clean your plate. And I did that. And I thought every holiday, yeah, you're meant to be sick. You're meant to be like, oh, no, why did I, you know, it never even occurred to me overeating was terrible. And over time, I recognized what was wrong, but it took years to correct. And I'm sure everyone's got something that they have to correct. And if you think about your life, you know what that is. I don't know, but you know, I know my issues. I'm working on myself all the time. So, so the two o'clock, uh, yeah. So, t tell me a little bit. Is, is it, it, it can be associated with pretty much anything that you're unhealthy, or well, I mean, so, what? so it, it's the, the only meridian that I know for sure. Although uh, George Love, his name is uh, Dr. George Love, um, said that there are seven. But for sure, I know the digestive meridian. So, what we eat is extremely important in developing cancer of any kind, and in particularly breast cancer. And it's common because estrogen. So uh, chemicals like chlorine, bromine, all of those kind of chemicals act on our body like estrogens. They're called xenoestrogens, X-E-N-O estrogens. They're fake estrogens. But our body sees, oh, estrogen, more estrogen, more problems. That's why the, the most common, except for lung cancer, which luckily is decreasing, um, but breast, prostate, ovarian, you know, those are the most common cancers because they're estrogen related. And unfortunately, chemicals like if you clean your house with a lot of junky products from the mainstream, I can't even go down that aisle. But if you if you buy those products, you're harming yourself. You know, they say that the air quality, inner, indoor air quality is terrible. And that's because those things, everybody's got like in their garage, 40 bottles of horrible stuff. And under the sink, you've got them. My house, we try not to have that because I can smell them and I hate them. And, and, and really, everyone should avoid it. We should try to get those biodegradable, simple things. But you can also use white vinegar. You can use newspaper, wet newspaper to clean your window. You don't need the spritzer thing. I haven't used those products in years. Well, I, I actually pay someone to clean my house because I, even being even with healthy products, I don't like them. I, I just I'm just very sensitive to smell. You know, like people say to me, well, how do you feel about a, rose, bottle of, a, a bowl of rose petals? Well, I like the look of it, but I can't take the smell. It's too strong. Give me three petals. I'm happy. I can smell a rose, but I have to walk away. Smell a rose, walk away. You know, I can't. That's me. Everybody knows. You know, we all know what our issues are. We just have to deal with them. And, and they, you know, they lead to more problems if you don't pay attention the way it is. And, uh, but, you know, the other part of it that I haven't really talked enough about is finding joy. So, Yesterday, I Zoomed with two of my old friends, one of whom has active cancer, and we were talking about it, and, and she said she's had four weeks of radiation. She feels great. And I said, you know, that is fantastic. Of course, I told her some stuff to do. I didn't ask her if she did it because I didn't want to have an embarrassing moment in case she didn't. But, you know, the other thing is you focus on the success, the survival, the joy. There's joy everywhere. There's happiness to be found. And when people call me and they say I'm dying of cancer, I say, well, so much time to be dead. Let us live while we're alive, we're alive with cancer. It's it's doable. I'm living proof. I mean, I'm not that special, you know, I'm a regular person. So if I can do what other people can do it too. It's just, a, it's a, a mindset, you know, oh, today I'm going to take a walk and I love flowers. If I see any flowers, I'll be happier. Yeah. Cool. Did that baby just chuckle? Wow. That's the most beautiful sound in the world. You know, there's always something. I even don't mind an iguana down here. They hate iguanas, but I don't, you know, I don't mind them. They, they look like dinosaurs. It's interesting, you know. It's interesting to be part of life and to be to be glad about it. You know, plenty of time to be sad, to be dead, worry about it later. No, I do have to tell my husband that quite often because he's nervous for me. That's a common problem. But I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm. I'm. I just want to do things. I'm going to London to a, a meeting in September. I'm going to Germany the end of September. I'm going to give a talk to the Congress on integrative medicine, and they've never had a patient advocate speak. But, you know, I'm going to talk about the things I've done and why and how other patients are waiting, you know, for, for these kind of doctors. 
to listen. That's really the thing I believe strongly in. Uh, patients need to be listened to and make your own protocol. You know, all, all these things are, are simple. They're common sense stuff. It's not, it's not amazing. It's, it's just real life. Yeah. And, yeah. and kind of like in your, in your first experience where you don't know what questions to ask, you don't know, you know, what, what you're being told you, you're just not, you're, you're not allowed. I wouldn't say allowed, but you're not given the opportunity to have the information that you need in order to make a, a well-informed decision. And you're, you're just, you know, you're told you get cancer. And then if you don't do this, you have three months to live or whatever it is that they say. And so obviously you're then saying, well, just take my body and do whatever you need, you know, because I, I want to live longer. Yeah. You know, and, and, but you don't, you don't feel like you are in that power position to be able to question what the oncologist is saying, or, you know, why would I that, you know, I'm a car mechanic or I'm this and that. And here you have somebody that specializes in this field. This is what he or she does all day long. You know, why should I question somebody that does this all day long? And, you know, from what I'm understanding and what I know from all my patients, you know, you need to do that. You need to take charge of your own decision making. And that's why it's so important to have organizations like yourself, you know, the, the Annie Appleseed. It, it's such a such an important uh, venue to dis disseminate this kind of information so people are empowered and they are able then to know what what questions to ask and what to look for. Right. And I think that, you know, I, I think I've said this before, but the number one question is what what is the expectation you have from this treatment? What do you think will benefit me? How is it going to work out? Because we're always hearing cure when they're saying treatment. And that's a really serious issue. We have to be on the same page. And again, you know, you have to try and feel comfortable enough to talk to the doctor about what else you're planning to do. Find out if they have a nutritional consultant. They may. A lot of centers do. A lot of hospitals do maybe out of pocket or it may be philanthropy is paying for it. You know, you don't know until you ask. So you can ask about that. And some insurance companies pay people to go to the gym and exercise. You don't need the gym. You need to walk or ride a bike or swim or jump up and down. You know, that's another thing. So I said I had lymphedema and my arm is good now and it's not gigantic. It's just about that's the amazing. same as the other one. Yep. I have a um, small trampoline. I believe that even if you're lying in bed, you should lift your arms over your head and shake them. You know, the queen wave, because that helps lymph, lymph fluid, lymph flow. Or if you're lying in bed, you rotate your ankles in as many ways as you can think of. <laughs> That's good, too. And as soon as you get out of bed, you can do a lot more. But we need movement to keep our lymph system going, which keeps our health at its best possible level. It's very important. And these are basic things that, that people don't get told about. But that's we all need to look up the basics. One of the things I like about advocate groups is they very often will be helpful in terms of buddying you up with someone who's already been through treatment or is currently in the same situation as you. And it's good to have a buddy, someone to talk to, a support group if possible. You know, people, some support groups are cry fests, but that's not the kind of support I'm talking about, where you exchange information and it's beneficial because you each learn stuff you wouldn't have learned before. And we need to know as much as possible about our circumstances. And of course, we have the internet now, which is okay. I mean, uh, people tell me that docs that don't look it up, but it's ridiculous. You know, if you want, if you were the kind of person who wants to know, you look stuff up, look stuff up. If you're the kind of person who doesn't want to know, fine, that's you, do you, do you. You know, I've had people say, oh, I've never looked at my pathology. Okay, that's okay. I'm the opposite. But you know, if you don't want to know, and, and I also think docs should ask that. Are you the type of patient who would like to know a lot? Or would you prefer you know, just doing what I say. And, and then they have a kind of a guide as to who's in front of them and where, how to proceed. And then nurses take advantage of nurses. They know a lot. They understand a lot more than the doctor might about complementary therapies. People are afraid to tell their doctor if they have pain or discomfort or a problem because they think the doc will stop the treatment or whatever. But, you know, these are things you need to convey. It's very important. And there are a lot of things you can do for the harms, the adverse effects, the so-called side effects. We have a handout on our website, the antiappleseedproject.org, antiappleseedproject.org, on reducing treatment toxicity. Simple, natural things you can do. It's important because some uh, cancer treatment will linger for, for years, particularly difficult for children. You know, we, we have a handout for the, for pediatric also because 
when children are little, you know, every treatment can reverberate for the rest of their life. And studies show that, and that, that's really sad. Every parent should be able to say to the doctor, I want to do complementary medicine so that my child doesn't suffer in the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, 31 years out, one of the things that happened was a group of us were taking a bus to a meeting in Washington, D.C., and the bus driver heard we were cancer patients, and she said, my daughter had cancer at seven, and she never grew taller. I had no idea such a thing could happen. But once you know, that's the kind of thing you want to be able to protect children from, want them to have as good a life as possible. And there's um, there's a gentleman online, a couple online, Stern Nagel. You may have heard of Teddy and Ryan Stern Nagel. And they have a protocol for children. They help their son get through it. And it can be done. And, you know, don't be afraid to explore and find out and see what's right. And again, do do your protocol. But definitely don't do junk because junk food, garbage, added sugar, garbage, (laughs) chemicals, color, artificial flavor. What do you need it for? I I saw a woman, a friend of mine who was an organic vegan like me, and she had a a stomach tube. She was unconscious and they were giving her artificial vanilla flavored insure. And I started crying and I said to her husband, oh, she's not going to want this. Why don't we give her carrot juice? You know, and he said, no, that's what the doctor ordered. Why do they use Boost and Sure, those kind of things? They're, they're terrible. They're all synthetic. They're all artificial. And they're not going to benefit enough. The idea that it benefits shows you that companies that make organic products are the ones you really ought to seek. And there are at least four on the market right now that you can do along with chemotherapy. Helps get, you know, everybody's nutrients are destroyed from chemotherapy and radiation too. You, know, you, you lose you lose a lot of your nutrients. It's why you feel weak and fatigued and everything else. So. So, so what are yeah? Tell because you know all all patients are so nervous because they're told by their oncologist you can't lose weight, you gotta gotta eat all these calories and you know, gotta have at least two of these boosts, you know, because has a lot of calories and and I mean it's just junk food. I and mean, we both you and I know it's junk food and it just feeds the cancer and just suppresses immune system and and does a lot of bad things. And so what are what are those four options that you were talking about so that people obviously they can find it on your website, I would I would assume. Uh, but it, it'd be nice for people just to hear what what the four options are. Well, right at the moment, I can only think of three, but there's Kate Farm or gain O-R-G-A-I-N, possibly with an E, not sure, um, Nutronco. N-U-T-R-O-N-C-O. And you can also, in my opinion, keep it simple by going to a health food store or drugstore and buying an organic green drink powder and put it into water, distilled or, or purified water. Always have a filter for your water and make that for yourself. And you can add vitamin D because vitamin D seems to be important in every single person and everybody with cancer. Anytime we're tested, the lowest thing is the vitamin D gets really low. So you want to supplement that for sure. And if you can add curcumin or turmeric or combo, uh, that'd be really good. And and I think, you know, those things you can do yourself. I've, I use chlorella, cilantro, parsley, dandelion leaves because they all bind to heavy metal and reduce the load. We all have heavy metal because it's in the air, it's in the atmosphere, it's in the food, it's in the water, <laughs> it's in those oil. And, you know, you have to detox pretty often. I mean, I do it daily, but you don't have to do it daily, but you should do it at least weekly. And all of these things will make a difference to your personal health. The more nutrients in it in natural form, the better. You know, if it's synthetic and artificial, and again, if it's got a, a whole bunch of words you never heard of, don't do it. It's, it's not appropriate. And what are some uh, what are some of the other supplements that you do that you feel that I mean obviously each individual is unique you, they have their own journey you know it's not one protocol that fits all uh, no. and and the same with if if one has a breast cancer you know it's still unique compared to the other person who has a breast cancer so um, but over there are some supplements that can just be generally good. So what what are some of those that you feel that these are just generally good, you know, if you're battling cancer? So, you know, I've heard a lot of talks about this kind of thing. And one, I take probiotics. So what I heard about probiotics is whatever, there's thousands of them. So whatever specific ones you take, those are boosted and the rest are not. So for three months, you might take a brand. It doesn't matter to me what brand, as long as you see that there's 
at least a billion, several billion, multiple billion in there. So, and you write, keep track of which ones are there. And then after three months, you change up for at least a month with other ingredients because then you're going to stimulate the others. And then, you know, there's a lot of different brands. So you could try them all if you like, just read the labels and find different ones. One thing, mushrooms are the same. If there's a specific like turkey tail is supposed to be really useful for breast cancer. You, you take that for three months, but after that, you need a month of a multi mushroom. And then you can go back to the specific one. And and I think that's a guide. So, and then, you know, also you could take a, uh, what they call a drug vacation and a holiday. I do that from time to time, a week off, you know. Um, so I take probiotics. I take resveratrol. I believe grapeseed extract is valuable, particularly for the lungs. So is green tea. I'm not such a fan of green tea. So I have it as a capsule. I don't, I don't love the flavor, but, and I'm lazy. I don't make tea very often. But anyway, if I was, I, I, I wouldn't call you lazy. That that would okay. not be the, uh, the word that we use. <laughs> peach. I would add peach or raspberry myself to green tea. I, I don't like the flavor, but I take it as a capsule. And then what else do I take? So probiotics are very important to me. I have them every day. And I also have sauerkraut or kimchi every day. And I also have uh, fermented carrots and onions. Uh, local company makes that. Local uh, people make that. And I, I try to eat that every week. And I think... Um, magnesium, very important. And I recently discovered that even though it, we were told to take magnesium at night, it's actually better in the morning. Oh, I happened to mention to the people who I buy my magnesium from that I was having trouble sleeping. And they said, oh, you shouldn't take it at night. It's probably interfering. So I started taking the morning. My sleep is so much better. It's unbelievable. And this is years later, <laughs> but I found that out. So it just may work better for other people as well. And then I take um, I take niacin, very low dose, 50 milligram. But today I had a flush out of it anyway. Well, I have to be somewhat careful of niacin because I tend to flush. I mean, we all do, but I tend to uh, at least once a week. But that's one out of seven, so it's okay. I can live with that. And and what else do I take? Well, currently, I, I mean, I have a ton of stuff. N-acetylcysteine I like. I'm taking some of that right now. And um well, that's pretty much it for me. But, you know, there's a whole range of things. And if you specifically need something, great. You know, doc recommends it. If you're seeing a naturopath who deals in supplements, they know a lot about supplements, probably a lot more than I know. But I listen to lectures. I write stuff down. I try to keep track of it. I share the studies. I share the articles. Let other people know. And and it's, having been exposed to so many different therapies out there, so many doctors interacting with everybody and anybody, in this field, what are some of the things that you see really kind of move the needle that you say, you know, like vitamin C IV or hyperbaric or you know, what? what is it that you have seen that people again and again seem to really move the needle, you know, from all your exposures? So, you know, that's really interesting because <clears throat> everyone's a little bit different and we all benefit better from different aspects, but I think IV vitamin C is very valuable. I've had it from time to time. I don't have it all the time because I have what they call roll away veins. And unless I have a port and I've had a port twice to have IV vitamin C on a steady basis, but I, I, I can't have an IV every week. It's impossible. Just torture. I mean, I'm a, uh, don't poke me more than twice. I cannot tolerate it. So I have to be careful. And plus I was hospitalized and not from COVID, but during the COVID time and the hospital doesn't care what they do. So they just shove a needle in and, you know, they messed up a vein. It's getting better, but it was a mess anyway. But I think, I think hyperbaric is very interesting. And, you know, I like hyperthermia. I've talked to that because if you are having conventional treatment and you can get hyperthermia, you can have less chemo, less radiation. I think it's amazing. They do it in Germany at, at our meeting. Actually, we have a doc, um, Dr. Henning Silk, who's, who runs the Arcadia clinic. Um, and he is going to talk again more about what that's like. Uh, I also think um, some of the supplements that I take, um, a modified citrus pectin, pectisol, the, the one actually designed by Dr. Isaac Elias, who's been a speaker at our conference. We've had everybody. <laughs> really, we're going to have you in 2025. That'll be really cool. And we try to, you know, I think, so what else might be useful for people? Um, I'm taking mistletoe right now. I think mistletoe might be helping me in immune boost. You know, that's a funny thing. I have a story about that too. I was at a meeting in Minnesota years ago and I was talking to somebody who had a poster. She was German. And I said, you know, is there anything in Germany that they do that I ought to know about that's integrative? 
And she says, oh, you know, and then as I'm walking away, she says, but of course, mistletoe. So I run back. I said, mistletoe? What do you mean? She says, well, pretty much everybody does mistletoe. It's quite standard in Germany, which is so amusing because, of course, but, you know, people tend to do what's available. So they do mistletoe. And I didn't do it at that time, but I, about a year ago, I started doing it. And we're also having a talk about that at our conference for the second time because people were so interested. And of course, new people come and they want to know. And we're going to talk to the, the doctor talk is going to also, he's, the doctor is also going to speak to the integrative doctors at the additional day on our conference for doctors. And that should be really cool. February 25th for that. For patients is 22nd to 24th of February. West Palm Beach, guaranteed 75 degrees, folks. <laughs> right now, no one cares because it's hot. But once it gets cold again, 75 is going to be so good. One year I was apologizing to people. It's only like 68. I'm so sorry. You know, everyone's going, yeah, but it was 12 in Minnesota. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But, but and, and weather can be interesting too, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, um, poly MBA, people have told me uh, poly MBA has made a big difference for them. That's an alternative treatment. Uh, comes from the company polymba.com. Uh, and then I tried 714X out of Canada. And uh, that, that's an interesting product. It didn't help with the lymphoma at all, but it it's something that I knew a woman who had breast calcifications, which mainstream gets hysterical over. And she did one month of 714X and they went away and never came back. As far as I know, she talked to me eight years later and she was still fine. So that was pretty cool. And, you know, different things, different needs and different uh, acceptance from people. You know, I mean, there's, there's a million of them, really. Yeah, yeah, there's so, so, it's just so much out there. And, and that's what's so cool is that and, and this is why I do what I do. And I know that's a portion of what you do, what you do is so so that people recognize that there are choices. You know, that there, yeah. there are so many different things out there and educating yourself about what is what is available and then you can feel yourself how oh, this this really resonates to me you know this uh, this feels good I, I think i want to try that and so if if you don't if you're not aware that it exists you can't have that experience so so yes so that that's why it's yeah, so i think important. i should mention ipt insulin potentiation therapy which is very widely offered by integrative docs and um, has been very impactful for people. It's not something I've ever tried, but uh, I think it has its value and, and lots more. And people tell me stories of things that have helped them. And, you know, it's great, whatever it is, it, it's great. And there's such a mind-body connection. You know, it's amazing that that hadn't been recognized in the past. It's so obvious our brain, our bodies are 100% connected. How could they not be? But your your mind is doing a lot. And people who feel like stress is why they got cancer, and they find ways to unstress, de-stress, recover, whatever, and they recover. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think I think that's great. I mean, what, whatever it is, go with it. You know? And 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 I think in in your situation, I mean, yes, you've done all these wonderful therapies, and you you you've you know eaten well, and all these which which is crucial. But I think at at the end of the day, you know, you're you're like you mentioned before we started you know started started the in interview you're a very joyous person so i think that joy that you brought that up and then also you 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 take charge of your own health yeah so you you don't let somebody else do it to you you are the one in power and and i think and knowing just knowing that you are in that 10 percent you know you you are the one that is going to do well so i think that that attitude and just embodying that and being that I, I think that drives so many people towards, you know, healing and, and health and longevity. And then the other therapies become adjunct to that. Oh, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think I it, it, we all see it at the conference. You know, um, this will be our 16th conference next year. So really experience it. This people come in and they just are so happy to be with like minded people and to share their experiences we actually, Friday night, we used to show a movie, but this coming conference Friday night, we're going to have like a karaoke, you tell your story thing. And because people love to. And and then you find, you, you know, your companions, you're like minded. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. And it, it's great for all of us. I mean, I mentioned to you before we started recording that um, I had a 
I have a two, one tumor for the lymphoma. And that last year at the conference, it was reducing because the joy of the conference was just so wonderful. And it made a difference for my health too. And a lot of people benefit and I benefit too. And thank you all very much. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, I know we can talk for hours about all these different things, but and thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for you know bring making things available uh, for people that they you know bringing information so that they know that their choices. So thank you so much. It's my pleasure, and thank you for what you do. The information this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or treat any disease. If you'd like to know more about what my center offers, please visit thecarlfeldcenter.com. Please join us next week for another live consultation with a patient diagnosed with cancer on integrative cancer solutions with Dr. Carl Feldt.